0: I think uh, arrogantly, I th- I thought I would be a good leader right out of the gates, um, just because I thought I understood people. And, and in all reality, like a misconception I had about leadership was be the person with all the answers, uh, be somebody that they can trust. You know, and yes, you need to have the answers. Yes, you need to be somebody they can wholeheartedly trust. But I think something I took away, at least from that initial leadership, uh, you know, run was. You're doing everybody a disservice if you're creating dependencies on you. I think the most confident leaders are much more ones that just ask really good questions uh, with the intent that it's, it's empowering you to think on your own.
1: Yeah. This is The Early Years, a show about influential early employees, the most successful companies and their stories that have made a lasting impact. I'm Brayden Anderson and on today's show, how this early Qualtrics sales rep became a leader at the forefront of the Utah technology scene. Have you ever wondered what the early days of some of the most successful companies look like? For most of these companies, process and structure are elementary at best. There's a lot of learning that has taken place and that typically means mistakes can be made by individuals simply learning how to grow a business. And this is all to be expected. These learnings, however, can be instrumental for an organization to grow and ensure they develop best practices for a sustainable business. Today, we're joined by Craig Daly, one of the earliest members of the Qualtrics sales team. For those that don't know, Qualtrics was recently acquired by SAP for $8 billion and employs around 3,500 employees worldwide. Craig joined Qualtrics as employee 54. Joining a company that early has given Craig a front row view on what it means to start a business and how to learn as much as you can. Craig has always had a knack for entrepreneurship, even going door to door as an eight-year-old offering his services to knock down Horton's Nest in California, where he grew up. A conversation with a neighbor that worked at Qualtrics really piqued his interest and set the course for him to get a job.
0: A neighbor of mine had just thrown out something about this company, Qualtrics, um, and was glowing just in in terms of like speaking to it. And again, this was just like casual neighbor talk uh, one Saturday. Um, but it kind of stuck with me that next day, just thinking like, "What's well, interesting?" This guy was talking the way he was about work, like people don't normally talk that way. So, and then uh, yeah, shot him a text the next day, just as like stuff with my current role was was uh, just overly stressful, just to kind of fish it out. And and then uh, I went and met uh, ironically some people there, and it just seemed like there was there was some stuff going on that was like strange and uniquely different, compelling. You know, strange in all the right ways, but <laughs> that, that, that was kind of like my core introduction. So I've always been in, in some aspect, uh, you know, working with people and, and trying to create or solve, you know, problems, whether that's really finding automobiles or, or full-blown like enterprise solutions. I like creating businesses and trying to think um, just of ways to, I don't know, do something that is challenging, just something that kind of. I don't know. I love the creativity of building. So I think that's where tech, again, has that kind of allure of you don't know what looks ahead. There's something promising. You got to execute. It's just
1: Well, and I'm interested, Craig, If you, it sounds like you've always been that way. And you've even told me a story from your childhood that was probably your first intro into entrepreneurship. Tell me more about that. So uh, we, we used to go door
0: to door. We had those super soakers that you'd pump and we fill them with water and dish soap. Um, And we would look under the eaves of garages in California where I grew up, but you would always see clusters of wasp nests and we would just knock on the door and say, Hey, did you know you have these two wasp nests there? Like that one we can knock down for 75 cents. This one's probably 25 cents. You have a dollar 25 one on the side of the house. (laughs) And again, we just had like literally a wagon with some soap and water for refills. And one of us would just smoke the nest with a squirt gun and the other one would hit them with a broom when they fell to the ground.
1: So you were doing pest control at the age of eight year old. Pest control,
0: yeah. And I, I totally missed the rush in Utah. I should have been one of the first founders.
1: <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, well, I so. just I just had my first son about a year ago and when he's eight, he'd better be negotiating these types of deals or else you better. I'm gonna be a little disappointed. That's awesome. I know. Um, cool, so you get introduced to Qualtrics. Um, then what happens next? Do you you go in for an interview and you get the job or what what happens? Yeah. It was kind
0: of strange. So my neighbor introduced me to Jared Smith, like right away. I think he was like somewhat in and out of Qualtrics, still working with Google at the time. Mm. Um, Again, didn't know him, but knew kind of stories of him, just given my neighbors telling me a little bit about Qualtrics and the Smith family. Had a really good just discussion with him in passing. And again, I just felt compelled uh, given like kind of the passion and vision of those guys. And everyone just seemed super sharp. I remember talking to like anyone – uh, at the company just seemed really put together. Right. And then, yeah. So ended up interviewing. It was kind of a weird interview where the uh the, the you know head of sales at the time would like purposely try to push your buttons um just to see like what you were kind of made of. Um and so I got my feathers, I remember a little bit ruffled in one of the interviews and I kinda of walked out thinking like forget this place. <laughs> um just because I thought it like didn't didn't go well. He was kind of putting words in my mouth or so I thought. So I thought it was like unfair questioning, not knowing he was really just gauging like What are you made of? How how do you react to these misconceptions? Um, And then, uh, yeah, called me literally like hours later, saying, "Hey, we'd love to offer you." So, gotcha. um, That's awesome. Took a little hiatus, and yeah,
1: went at it. Cool. And and you get started pretty early. You're a pretty early employee at the company, right? I think you mentioned employee 54, right? Like, so, yeah, around there. Yeah. What was the company like then when you started? Like you mentioned the interviewing process. Like you met a lot of great people, but like. You know, as you start into this new role and at this new company, what were the early days like?
0: They were, uh, they were really cool, really memorable. Um, I I imagine it's pretty similar to how it was in Silicon Valley early on. I, I think there's just like a weird energy and kind of like huddling mentality around the team um you know if you saw someone with a Qualtrics shirt at a restaurant that friday night or something you kind of gave them the nod of like hey you're a part of something special it just seemed like we all we all knew we were doing something uniquely different in this like kind of incognito office um and there there was some promising future ahead Uh, and again the ceo ryan was i think very good at just instilling that vision into us and getting everybody really bought in but it, it was, um, it sounds really cheesy, but it seemed kind of magical. It was kind of like, it was just new, it was different. Um, again, I felt like everybody was really talented, trying to do things that were unprecedented um, and kind of making it up. Like, I think we were faking it um, early on, but I think when you had that many people in the room, um, you could get stuff pretty dialed pretty quick and see performance tick,
1: Yeah, so and it, was, it was cool. And so what did what the company consist of? So obviously, you started in sales. Uh, imagine a product yep. team. What else can, did the company consist of at that time?
0: We didn't really have marketing. I think it was just people all kind of on the side. There weren't, uh, you didn't have setters. So as like an account executive, you had a, you had a Mac, uh, not a MacBook, an iMac. So you could only really work when you were there unless you had your other laptop. It just seems so weird to comprehend that now. <laughs> yeah, because this
1: was um, what, 2009, 10? 11, so
0: 2011. Okay. Yeah, beginning of 11. Um, and yeah, yeah. So not, not a ton of resources. Um, and honestly, like thankful for that. Now it was a lot of dialing, um, you know, a lot of like tuning of messaging our own decks, positioning who we were in the market, trying to understand competition, trying to figure out trade shows, events, everything um, pretty, pretty lean uh, development team, um, you know, cool product. It was, it was an interesting time too. I mean, so Qualtrics for those that don't know the system, it's, it's basically a survey solution helps help the organizations back in the day have data driven insights right through the way that they would collect. Um, but at, at the time of the recession, we were just uniquely positioned because there was a lot of people trying to cut spend and, you know, reduce some of these more costly outlets and focus on how do we have really high caliber research to influence our company strategy. Um, but not necessarily pay an arm and a leg because we don't have that anymore given the recession. So I think we, we hit it at a right time to really capitalize on, you know, we got the product, we got the market. Like, let's just throw gas on this thing. And
1: yeah, you know, it was, it was good. And, and how were sales early on, right? We're, so your role mainly was sales, but you did a lot of stuff. Like, were yeah. you guys selling a lot? Like, you know, were you, like, did you make a lot of money during that time or what? No, that's not too personal a no. to question. It was awful
0: comp wise I remember uh again make, makes me grateful a little bit for just looking back at it but um I, I think the base literally at the time was like $24,000 I remember sitting down with Ryan in like my final interview and I think he knew how to had a kid and just said hey Craig like guy like you you know you should be making around 60k a year which it, which again at the time seemed really uh like s- scary in a, in, a, in a negative sense um if if Hey, he thought that was, like, maybe a higher threshold. I think I negotiated my base up to, like, 30K. Okay. Um, just crazy. Yeah. Sounds crazy looking back at it. But, um, again, they did a really good job of, like, selling the vision and obviously zero regrets. But, yeah, you weren't, you weren't making a ton of money. I think the guys that were, like, doing well were – um kind of closer to 100 some of the team leaders you saw them doing like 120 150 and again this was kind of unprecedented honestly right and it wasn't like in Utah there weren't people throwing down big numbers tech was still pretty new yeah like that, that that's healthy money um in all reality like yeah.
1: but it was it was you were kind of scraping sure um it wasn't wasn't too hot yeah so as you started this fresh company like did you like doing sales did you like this company or were you thinking like what did I get myself into
0: Yeah, probably a bit of both. Um, (laughs) I I, I think I loved, I loved all the people. I loved what we were doing. Um, It it was a bit militant about how we approached sales. Uh, It was very systematic, almost robotic. uh, And I'm, I'm not cut from that thread, right? Like I mentioned before, I like to be probably a little bit more creative to a fault. Um, And, you know, we were pounding forty to sixty dials a day, trying to get to appointments. Um, we had stack ranking reports that were literally telling you, are you on the A team, B team, C team, D team, F team? Um, so you knew at all times from an accountability standpoint, where you sat against all your peers, uh, what you're putting up. And again, a lot of positives can come from that. And obviously, you know, some negatives depending on how that's used. But, uh, again, it taught a lot of that rigor. Um, but yeah, it was, it it was foreign to me. I, I, I I didn't deal a whole lot with rejection. If I had someone in front of me, it was very easy for me to have a conversation and kind of authentically help them uh, with a car, with a product. You know, it, it, I think that came natural. It was hard for me to get on the phone and be like, Hey Bob, you don't know me. we would love to talk about research. And then <laughs> so i like, Hey, stop calling me. I think that was a little bit new just when I first started, but yeah, I think it was good for me to definitely pass through like that that hill
1: you were used to selling pest control wasp nests with pest your <laughs> with your gun yeah.
0: karen never said no <laughs> a
1: little wink and i was shooting yeah. the nest down i like it so, i like it i'm curious because now when you look at qualtrics um they're obviously recognized as industry leader uh they were recently purchased for eight billion dollars by sap so obviously a ton of success right. like in those early days, did you think that Qualtrics would have the success that it's had? Like, could you tell back then, like we're on a rocket ship, or were you like, when did yeah. you realize like this could be big? I, I think pretty early on. As weird as it is to say, it's
0: easy to say that looking back. I don't. I would never would have guessed eight billion big. I think that's, yeah. that's ludicrous. Um, but the, uh, I, I think we just again kind of. I, I feel like we keep touting, or I, I keep touting the the people that were there. We had a good product. Uh, we had the the uh, market timing, Again, TAM is massive, um, you know, Ryan was an incredible visionary, his brother's phenomenal product. It just seemed like we had a lot of congruencies to, like, not fail if we just stayed in our lane and executed. And month over month, you saw the revenue uptick. Every person, you know, leveled up month over month, tried to improve their skill set, honed in on our trainings. It just seemed like everything, even early on, was... The, dialed um and, th- and there was just a ton of inertia and energy around it so to me it was a little bit of like this is the snowball effect we're unstoppable now it's like how big can we take it um, but yeah i couldn't have fathomed back then like the size that it is now and even when we saw like some of the venture money early on with excel and sequoia um survey offering 500 it was i think we were i think even then it was kind of like a-, a register on the richter scale
1: of like dang we're we're moving fast you know we have three times the people here so yeah, yeah, we <laughs> you did. You mentioned the SurveyMonkey thing, which is really fascinating because I remember hearing about that when it happened. Like, Qualtrics just got, got offered $500 million. And I was thinking, like, why wouldn't they take that? And, right. and now looking back, it's like, oh, well, of course they didn't take it. <laughs> I know. They made you know, 10 times, 20 times that amount. So it's just nuts yeah. to think about. It's crazy. Um, I'm curious. What's one of your favorite memories from the early days? Mm. Man.
0: You know, this is a funny one. Um, I, uh, I had a leader at the time, um, you know, great, great individual. I think he was trying to figure out a bit in his life as well, as far as like who he was. Um, and he was a little bit like uh bipolar in the way that he led our team. Um, I, I was, I was on the team with a good friend of mine, uh, James Sukon, you know, we still remain incredibly close today, but, uh, he, we, uh, there was a time where I remember this leader sending me a message in the morning and, and James and just some of the others on the team saying, guys, how is it by 10 a.m. I'm able to accomplish all this and lead our team and you guys can accomplish this. It was just, you know, incredibly motivating message I maybe me really want to get to work, <laughs> um, you know, and then and then it kind of ensued from there of like, hey, I just saved your job. Uh, you know, so and so isn't pleased with like performance. And again, I'm close with all, a lot of these people. It's a, it's a pretty close circle. Not, not that I was, um, but, but it, made, it kind of struck me odd. Like I, I didn't know I was actually in a predicament. I didn't realize I was on that chopping block. And so I remember in passing talking to one of the leaders just saying, hey, I'd love to talk. Like it sounds like we're, we're kind of off on expectations and we'd love to understand like what you're not seeing. Um, and he, he was kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, oh, okay, sorry. It sounded like there was a conversation that was happening. And he's like, nope, never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. And you know, push comes to shove. We find out this leader is basically just feeding us like a load of horse crap, like, uh, a ton of, you know, a ton of like, uh, just misinformation. And then, uh, you know, he, yeah, I, we come to find out there's a lot of like made up information in Salesforce. This person actually wasn't working. We oh, end no up uh, having like this. Yeah. Like I come to Jesus at like 6am at the office. It was just one of those awkward scenarios. It was a good memory. Cause it was, I just remember it being like so strange.
1: Yeah, that, so that's
0: my question. Is how, uh, how is
1: this your favorite memory? This sounds like an know, uncomfortable memory. I know,
0: Yeah, this is, yeah, I'm uncomfortable even telling it. Just <laughs> I, I, I more feel bad for the, everyone that was involved. But um, I, I think I, I've referenced it and looked back at it um, as just a funny time. And, and I would with that leader too. It's like we were all trying to figure ourselves out. None of sure. us were perfect. We were all doing like weird, quirky things.
1: Um, Well, like you said earlier, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a fake it till you make it. And I'm sure this was part of that element. Like you guys are all just trying to learn how to make this grow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But that's just one that's just always sticks out as like memorable. It's just
0: kind of like, man, that was so weird. What were, what were we doing? (laughs)
1: Um, but it's funny. Uh, so, so you're an account executive. Um, what happened next? Like how long did you do that role? Yep. So I was in a account executive role for about two years.
0: Um, Got tapped on the shoulder to run what was a pod lead, basically like a free internship as a leader. Um, And just ran a small team as our team was expanding. Um, So I just had a couple people on the team. And from there, just grew into leadership and started expanding the team. So um, did that for the remaining, you know, four or five years, uh, representing a couple products basically from there on out. So account executive for a couple of years and then, uh, went into leadership two years after that.
1: Gotcha. And what, what's kind of your biggest takeaways from that experience, um, you know, going from an individual contributor to being a leader. Yeah. It's
0: a, it's a, I've learned a lot I'll tell you that, um, I think, uh, arrogantly I, I thought I would be a good leader right out of the gates. Um, Just because I thought I understood people and and in all reality, like a misconception I had about leadership was be the person with all the answers, uh, be somebody that they can trust, you know, and yes, you need to have the answers. Yes, you need to be somebody they can wholeheartedly trust. I think something I took away, at least from that initial leadership, uh, you know, run was you're doing everybody a disservice if you're creating dependencies on you in the sense of like, if they're always coming to you to answer questions, to mm. proof check emails, to consider pricing, you're, you're not empowering them or developing them. And I think there's so much uh, incredible, you know, byproducts of that development. If Braden is becoming more and more powerful through his ability to make his own decisions and just, you're the one kind of playing Geppetto a little bit in the background, helping them grow and arrive, um, that fulfillment has multiples well above you just being the person with the answers, like yeah. the wizard of oz. Like no one, no one cares for that. It doesn't scale. You'll never advance in your career. So I think in my mind, as people now ask me questions, I I do reference that back at that time of, yeah, and before I answer, tell me a little bit about how you're thinking about this. How do you think we should price? Or how do you think what message should we share? I think kind of putting it back on them forces their brains to. Become self-sufficient.
1: Yeah, Craig, I've I've actually gone through that same process myself. Because I used to think like, oh, if they're coming to me like that, that's good on me. Like that makes me look better. That, like, that means I'm super valuable. But it's like, no, like, you're holding people back. You're holding yourself back when you're not enabling people to grow and to learn how to do these things. And and removing yourself, like, it's it's kind of contradictory. But like, the more you remove yourself from something, actually, the the better it makes you. It feels like. Would you agree with that? hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like at the root of it, it's like insecurity. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost
0: like you need those little deposits of people asking you questions so that you feel valued or, or you need to, you know, convey that, that you're good. But yeah, I I think the most confident leaders are much more ones that just ask really good questions uh, with the intent that it's, you know, it's empowering you to think on your own.
1: Yeah. That's so cool. Uh, so at some point you, you actually made a pretty big shift at Qualtrics from selling like their core like survey tool, right? We'll call it, to yeah. a, a different solution, a different offering. I, I'm really curious about how that transition took place. Like, was that a hard transition? Because I, I think a lot of people can likely go through that in their career where they may need to make, make a big shift, even if it's selling a completely different solution. Like, that's challenging. So I'm curious what that experience was like for you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm trying to recall back, like, what was the catalyst for that? I think, I think at the time, that side of the business was kind of at the, at the bottom of the hockey stick where they had been crushing their numbers. I think we were trying to throw some gas on that fire. Um, I had been in my roles representing that product and that team probably for three years at that time. Um, so I, I would imagine, and this was probably a case where I was probably looking also for some kind of new, new venture. Mm-hmm. So ended up running with that team, that product, incredible culture, they had a lot, a lot going for them. Um, but yeah, the, the product was pretty similar to to what we were doing, it's just more instead of externally focused with customers, uh, we primarily focused with like HR professionals for internal evaluations with employees and assessments. Um, and again, with that that kind of uh, constant draw to people, that obviously mm-hmm. spoke to me, like understanding the psychology of how people think, what motivates them, how you assess that, how you, again, how you empower people to do something bigger. I think all those things kind of fulfilled me professionally in terms of the product and representing that. Yeah. So
1: was it hard for you to try to solve a different problem or do you feel like it was similar enough that you could take your experience from what you'd been doing to this new solution?
0: Yeah, I I think I probably got my teeth kicked in a little bit for the first three months. Again, the the leaders that were over there were really good about kind of breaking down some of the nuances, but there, there for sure was a change. It it wasn't, it, it wasn't just apples to apples. Um, so, and that's to be expected. I think if you're doing any kind of meaningful change in any org, like, there probably should be some learning curves where you're restarting a little bit. Yeah. Um, the talk track, the value, how the, how the, how the people actually think so you can you know communicate properly. So it, it took a good three months for me to get transitioned.
1: Any advice you'd give to someone that's in a similar situation? Just listen. You
0: know, I, my dad always said, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, listen twice as much as you speak. And here I am just blabbing. <laughs> here I am. I Sorry, that.
1: dad. <laughs> no. I love it. So, so Craig, you, you've worked at Qualtrics for a long time. Um, you've actually been fortunate to work at, you know, Qualtrics is arguably one of the most successful companies in Utah, um, at least in the yeah. last decade, right? Uh, right. So since switched to a very, another very successful company in Utah, Podium. Um, how big was Podium when you joined and kind of tell me about that evolution and, and kind of what you're doing there?
0: Yeah. Yeah, after about six years at Qualtrics, ended up joining with Podium. They were about 120 employees at the time. Um, You know, really interested in trying to have some more rigor and, uh, you know, around process and kind of scaling the team. Uh, Had incredible success with their their team up to that point. Again, similar to Qualtrics, I think they just had like a really good vibe with their their team. Uh, They seemed unstoppable. They're having a lot of fun doing it and they were really looking for some muscle on standing up like the strategic sales side and that, that kind of vision of how do we go upstream. Um, and yeah, so um, I, I knew Eric and Dennis, uh, the founders through uh, their, their wives, ironically were recruiters at Qualtrics that I worked with a ton for all the interviewing and sourcing of candidates. So I had kind of already known them from a distance um, and, and kept some tabs on, on Podium just, you know, through that small ecosystem in Utah of tech um and but yeah I was super intrigued ironically with what Podium actually is today so I um I, I was sold on the vision of like this whole interaction solution you know making more frictionless um communication between a customer and the actual business entity I think that that appealed to me because of all the all the consumer experience background from Qualtrics every single enterprise was just looking to Distinguish themselves. What is our unique differentiation farmers versus state farm inherently give the same products? Like how do you guys stand out from a unique differentiation standpoint? I think when Eric pitched that vision of like hey We can actually bring to life like a very proactive change in that customer experience I think it just triggered where I'm like every every executive looking for something like this Um, But they yeah for the most part had this incredible reviews product still to this day. It's it's a phenomenal uh, incredibly lucrative product, not only for the the company, but for those actually using it. And uh, so it's been cool to watch in the last three years I've been there. Uh, just just this thing take off. Yeah. It's
1: nuts. And, and you're leading a team there, correct?
0: I am. Yeah. Most, most recently, I was leading our just our entire healthcare practice. I still am doing that to an extent, but now I'm way more hyper-focused just on our
1: enterprise go-to-market. Coming up, Craig shares how he's applied his experience from Qualtrics to Podium. But first, scenes from an upcoming interview. First, like probably
0: five months, I was still a student. Um, I, I remember actually stepping out of classes to take sales calls. There's this one specific bench outside the econ building at BYU that I remember stepping out of my class because I saw a call coming in from the president of this bank and going to sit on this bench and take a call for 15, 20 minutes to, to hash out pricing. If you went and told these conservative banks in Iowa and Nebraska and whatever, that, I, that they were being sold software by a student that was like 21 or whatever at the time, uh, I don't know how they'd feel about it.
1: So I'm curious, um, how have you been able to apply your experience from Qualtrics to Podium?
0: Hmm, man, there's not a day that goes by that I don't to some extent. Um, again, I kind of alluded to Qualtrics not having a lot of the resources outside of a computer and some guidance and just a ton of mojo. Um, I think as I look at Podium in general, as I look at a market, as I look at the story we need to tell, um, even literally like the products that we're choosing to develop, um, I, th- I think it's, it's my brain is trained still in that same way of like, how do we mitigate risk and capitalize on? Market opportunities. I think po- or, uh, Qualtrics kind of forced you to think and understand, almost be a CEO or mm. be a founder, like we'd say. Um, so I, I definitely brought that same kind of mentality into Podium. Um, but it, it's literally helped everything from the, interv- the type of candidates we bring in, how we assess the candidates, how we lead. Uh, how we set up territories. I mean, we we had horrendous issues at Qualtrics with account management. I mean, it was it was the dark ages for a few years back there. Um, and so how do we not make those missteps again? Um, and, I, and I think something fascinating that I've learned just with Podium, which you would expect just given the maturity of Utah Tech, is people have had different iterations now. you've You've seen the the incredible things at certain startups. you've seen the negatives also at others. Um, I think podium and other, other tech companies now have these, these people that have, they're on their two, you know, second or third tech run. And mm. I think I've been able to apply obviously all my experience, but having all those, those cohorts and peers around me that are kind of bringing their collective experience of the good, bad, and ugly just makes you hockey stick yeah. in terms of performance. So it's, it's cool to be cool to be a part of a, uh, even, you know, faster growing startup now. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. Well, Craig, this has been awesome. Um, really have appreciated your story and your insights. So I guess the the final question that I love to ask everyone is what piece of advice would you give to someone that's currently in the early years of a startup?
0: Hmm. Uh, I would say you've made the right choice to be in the early years of a startup uh, because it will kick your butt. (laughs) It, it It will crush you. And if it's not crushing you, you're not probably giving it, you know, your all. Um, I think tech in general is super hard. It's fast paced. Uh, there's high expectations. Uh, you're typically working with people that are pretty bright and you constantly feel a pressure to perform and like be in the front of that wave and be the obvious choice for, you know, additional opportunities if that company's growing. So I think the the biggest thing I would say is, uh, learning to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, uh, kind of like that military phrase, like embracing the suck, Hmm. Um, I, I look back at the, the low compensation at the time. Um, I look at, uh, not having the resources needed to succeed. It, it trained me to just figure it out Yeah, Uh, and just take complete ownership. Like any, any one of us can just make an excuse for why they're not performing or why they should give up. Um, but I think once you figure out kind of who you are and who you aren't, life becomes a lot easier and your ability to. To really do something meaningful because you're controlling kind of the fate is is huge so in in summary i would say you're supposed to be uncomfortable and embracing the suck and and really taking extreme ownership of of what you can control and then just making sure you are maximizing your output like leave it all on the freaking field tech's hard but it pays huge dividends if you really apply yourself and like do not hold back so um i've had many times that i feel very blessed and fortunate to have made the deposits in my career and in the people around me to be where i am today not to say that i've that i've arrived by any means but i i also have times of like regret where had i applied myself in that stretch for six months maybe i'd be further maybe i'd be here so i think the 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 idea would be don't live with that regret like how do i how do i make sure i'm leaving it all here and you know, just, just embracing the uncomfortable stage that is early on in tech.
1: That's Craig Daly, the guy that has been instrumental in driving the sales culture at some of the Utah's most successful companies. Thanks for listening to today's show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast fill. If you know someone that you think we should interview, email me at bradenta at gmail.com. I'm Braden Anderson, and this is The Early Years.